In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about loss and grief, about metastatic breast cancer, and about love. It's another story from the pages of our most recent Love and Intimacy issue. We've done this theme four times now in eight years because there is so much to explore in how our cancer diagnoses affect the ones we love. So let's dive right in. My guest today is Janelle Talone. Janelle is a corporate trainer living in Florida with her husband, Jordan, and two pets, Nymeria and Arcadia. In her free time, she enjoys traveling, hiking, writing, and really anything that is in or around a body of water. Janelle is living with stage four triple positive breast cancer that she was diagnosed with at the age of 32. Welcome to The Burn, Janelle. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So you are reading a piece you wrote called The Kittens. And as I said, this was in our 2023 issue called Love and Intimacy. After you read, we will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. And really quickly, before I pass the mic to Janelle, I just want to give a light trigger warning that this piece does include a description of a pet dying. If that's not for you or not something you feel you can hear today, or maybe you just want to grab some headphones to keep that from small ears, now's a good time to pause. All right, Janelle, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much. All right, so this is called The Kittens. We like to joke that my husband Jordan is like a golden retriever. Tall, blonde, kind, and gentle. His good nature and unflinching optimism finally tamed my cynical heart, and we were pretty immediately inseparable. We had just celebrated our first year wedding anniversary in Acadia National Park, spending a week hiking and daydreaming about the future. Shortly after we came home, I felt a strange lump in my breast, and you all know the rest of that story. After all the tests and scans, I ended up being diagnosed stage 4 de novo with a couple of lesions in my spine. Anger greeted me like an old friend. This was seriously going to be my story. I wasn't going to get happily ever after. I was going to be the wife in the Hallmark movie who dies so that her husband can go on and find himself and meet his true love at a stupid Christmas party. How original. But Jordan never went there. He remained unwaveringly positive. There were times at the beginning where that was actually pretty difficult. I needed to sit in some really dark places, and he seemed unwilling to follow me there. Sometimes that was isolating, and I felt alone. We were in the trenches of chemo when he found a bundle of abandoned kittens at his work. They were very young, only a couple of weeks old, and would probably die without homes. His coworkers had found a place for all except two of them. I was tired and skeptical, 
but he was so excited that it made me excited too. We FaceTimed in the morning and I saw their little faces. We would find a home for one and keep the other. We had been weighed down with so much sadness and heaviness that it seemed healthy to look forward to bringing new life into the home. We spent the following days falling in love with them. They were so tiny, independent, and adorable. We weren't very skilled at taking care of newborn animals, so we needed to consult Google, friends, and vets to figure out exactly what to do. We were so happy when they started to take care of themselves. When they started to gain some independence, we introduced them to the rest of the family. We have two other pets, a rather aloof cat and a playful, stubborn husky. They never really had an issue with each other, so we weren't overly concerned about the additions. Everyone seemed to tolerate each other well enough. It was a nice day, and Jordan and I had plans for lunch downtown with my mom. I had gotten the kittens a safe enclosure and nestled them into the corner. We left them sleeping, snuggled together. And we returned to complete destruction. Blood splattered the sides of the destroyed enclosure where their lifeless little bodies laid. Our dog had done what dogs sometimes do. I was shocked and immobilized with panic. So Jordan wrapped them in a blanket, then I sobbed and apologized to them over a makeshift shoebox coffin. I think in that moment, all of the pain that had been building for months exploded and our hearts shattered. It may have been one of the worst days, but that night we just melted together. Our bodies intertwined like vines on an old ivory pillar. We let the grief and guilt wash over us. It was awful, but we were there in that moment, just the two of us. Metastatic cancer is an absolute roller coaster, and one that you just kind of have to ride alone a lot. Navigating a new marriage on top of it is a delicate balance. Sometimes all I want to do is retreat within and be alone. Sometimes we reach for each other and miss. And sometimes he's all I see and feel where he feels as familiar as the air in my lungs. We're finding the balance. It ebbs and flows like most things. We're only eight months into things, but I've had a complete response to treatment. My doctors are optimistic that I may have a long life. I'm starting to travel again, to exercise and dream again. Jordan and I are cautiously moving into the future, hand in hand. Maybe I'll live to see his hair gray. Maybe I'll witness as wrinkles crease his face. Maybe we'll retire to the mountains. We have all the maybes mixed in with all the fear and hope and love. Mm. Such a good story, Janelle. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Oof. Okay, let's take a quick break here. We'll let you um, catch your breath. You look dry eyed from here to me, but we'll let you look yourself and we'll hear a little testimonial. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. 
get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, I'm Anseline Corso, and I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at 33 in 2018. I found the wildfire workshop while looking for virtual support at the beginning of the pandemic. Soon after, I subscribed to the wildfire magazine. The 2021 wildfire body issue was published a week before I had surgery. So much of what I was reading online made me worry about the outcomes. Reading the stories in the body issue gave me the hope I needed. It made me realize I wasn't alone, that I would learn to accept my scars. It wouldn't come easy, but I would get there. I have the magazine sitting on a table that I walk past every day. Sharing our stories matters. Finding others like us matters. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Anne. And let me turn back to you, Janelle. Thank you so much for your writing and reading your story today. So powerful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I want to... I, I always like to ask writers this, and um, I'm curious what you'll say, but I, I always like to ask, what is this story about for you? And the reason I ask that is because I think that, you know, listeners, readers, writers all have a different perspective on a story. So I always like to ask my writers what, not only what is it about for you, but ultimately, what did you want to say? Sure. Um, good question. I, um, I think for me, it's, it's about, I don't know, I, I, I felt from the beginning of my diagnosis that, um, I don't know, we were only like a year into our marriage when I got diagnosed. And so I felt this kind of like, um, I don't know, grief and sort of guilt too about, uh, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but maybe a little bit about just all of the hopes and the plans and the dreams that we had about how our future would look like. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's not quite turning out that way. So um, I think that when I was writing that, I, I was coming to a place where I was more okay with, with that. Um, how grief can kind of shape the way that you look at things, but also um, it can turn into something else. So it's okay that maybe things aren't going to look like they they did before, but um, but that it can turn into something different and better and and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. And I, it is. It is fine too. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I'm going to kind of jump ahead um, and we'll circle around a few different topics, I think. But, you know, I wanted to ask you about having having NBC arrive, you know, early on in your marriage. And I hear that from a lot of people, unfortunately, in the younger breast cancer mm-hmm. community. We don't have decades of marriage under our belts, you know, when yeah. when cancer comes along. And so I just wonder, you know, now that you're a little ways into it, do you do you have any advice um, that you maybe would have given you and your husband early on if you had been able to, if you could redo, you know, do you have any mm-hmm. advice there? Um, I would say, I don't, 
just take it as it comes, I guess. Um, and don't feel, I guess, bad if if it feels different than than you were expected it to or different than it was. Uh, like I said in my piece, there's there's times where, you know, I feel really, really close to him. And then there's other times where I just, I went through this phase, especially I think after my surgery, where I just wanted to shelter in, in myself. Like I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really have the capacity to, um, to really be open and vulnerable. I just kind of wanted to cocoon and, and that's hard, I'm sure for a spouse to see and, and go through. And that's probably isolating for him, but I think it all kind of like circles back around and you just kind of have to keep reaching for each other and, um, and being patient with each other and just taking it Mm -hmm. one day at a time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. One day at a time is often the hardest thing, right? Like it's so hard to just be here right now. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I really love what you just said about, um, you know, reaching for each other and coming back together and, you know, trying to just be here in this moment. And it brings me back to your story. You talk about in the beginning of your story that you guys were a little bit, um, kind of on different pages, you know, he wanted to be Mm -hmm. positive and you needed a place to really feel your grief. And then Mm -hmm. this really awful thing happens with your kittens. And I'm so sorry that that happened, by the way. Um, But yeah, this, this really, really hard thing happens that brings you guys onto the same page. Um, Or at least it feels that way to me. And I want to ask you about that. If you felt like in that moment, you guys were more grieving together than, than kind of in this different way of one of you trying to be more optimistic and the other needing to really feel the feelings. Was, was that a different thing, that grief? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I felt very connected to him at that moment. And like, like you said, I think that we were kind of on the same page at that point. Um, with, with my husband, I, he does tend to to just be more optimistic and, um, you know, try to try to reach for the light. Um, but I, you know, it's it's probably just so difficult to see somebody you love going through it, and um, like his coping mechanism is positivity and and you know and and trying to um, to stay positive, but I'm sure that he was grieving still in his own way too. And I feel like that was just kind of like the catalyst that maybe, um, maybe broke him open a little bit and, um, gave him some space to, to grieve everything else too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want to say that space cause that's really sad, but, <laughs> um, no, I know what you mean. Not that, and, you know. And about the breaking open, because I think sometimes we just are holding on so hard. Um, I'm thinking of something that Brene Brown mm-hmm. talks about where when you stay really strong and um 
and rigid, that's actually when you become most brittle, you know, as opposed to when mm-hmm. yeah. you can be um, vulnerable and open and, and kind of let, let your feelings kind of flow in and out. It, it's almost like a, an opposite kind of resiliency that happens there. Have you, yeah. I guess, I don't know what my question is because you're also making me <laughs> think of this thing that happened when, um, after my dad died, we, um, we, I had some of his ashes and my dad was a lover mm-hmm. of apples and he had apple trees. And so I wanted to plant an apple tree in my front yard and have some of his ashes there. And, um, so I planted this tree that promptly died mm. and, um, <laughs> I was like, what is what is happening? Like, what is the, yeah? What what is the message here? And, and I did a I planted another tree, and it died again. And I I like had to really resist feeling like there was like the message, just some kind yeah. of weird messaging there. Yeah, yeah or like, just the doom and the gloom. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I felt like that a lot. <laughs> so I really feel for you guys that okay. you yeah you brought home this these little life bundles and then and then life had a different plan mm-hmm. but it almost feels like not that every crappy thing happens for a reason but it I like that the way you tell this story and you slow it way down and we come into the scene with you and it lets us see that that was a moment when you and your husband could connect mm-hmm. again in this in this sadness yeah, yeah thank you that's um yeah that's very very accurate um I'm yeah I'm I'm not much of a like everything happens for a reason person but I do like to see that you can make something good into or sorry you can make something from all of the the grief and the sadness like something good can come from those things yes well and I think that you know not to belabor the point but it it can be one of the most lonely places when two people are grieving and processing in totally different mm-hmm. ways. Um, you know, especially when it's someone close to you. And I just, I guess, really appreciate hearing how you guys kind of moved through that. Yeah. So I really, I really do appreciate that you wrote this story a lot. Thank you. Yeah. You mentioned in your um, bio that you enjoy writing, and I'm wondering about the role that writing mm-hmm. plays in your, um, either in your day-to-day or in your survivorship overall. And, yeah, I um, I think I've been writing more in, like, in different ways. For for me, I, I guess writing has always kind of been, um, like, like anything, um, anything artistic, uh, sort of like art therapy where I have these um these jumbled thoughts and feelings in my head and um the way that I get them out is to like try to make them elegant or you know meaningful or relatable or something um through words so that's what writing has like usually been for me um it's at the beginning of my diagnosis it was really hard for me to get pens of paper or, you know, like, um, just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I felt like I was relying on my phone a lot. Like I would just have like a notepad. I have this long, um, thought, uh, note notepad on my phone now where I, I could really only write when something kind of triggered me or, um, 
And that usually just came in like random moments where something hit me and, um, and I was just kind of overcome with emotion and needed to, mm-hmm. to get it all out somewhere. Yeah. It, it's an interesting thing. I think that there's kind of an evolution um, to using writing as a tool when, when difficult things happen. I know for me, there have been times in my life when I have resisted writing because it felt like if I wrote it down, then that made it real. Uh, somehow, you mm-hmm. know, it made it more permanent or concrete. And I wasn't ready for it to be real yet or um, just be there mm-hmm. in black Definitely. and white on the page. And then other times I couldn't write it down fast enough because I needed to get it out of my head and out of my body. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I've, I've felt like that kind of like that back and forth throughout this entire process, I think. Um, just, I don't know. Yeah. I like, I like the, the term it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I use that a lot. <laughs> it truly does. And, you know, learning to live with something like, um, you know, a, a metastatic cancer diagnosis is this new Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to say dance, but it's this new, like you say, ebb and flow of, you know, various times are going to be mm-hmm. harder and heavier and other times yeah. less so. And it's like when, when to use the tools, you know, and when will yeah. they be most helpful? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So last question for you, and this, this might be tricky. You don't have to answer it if you mm-hmm. can't, but I'm curious, you know, what for you so far have have been, or maybe we'll pick one, what has been a lesson that you feel like you've kind of learned in the process of living side by side with NBC so far? Good question. Um, I think it has, you know, there's, there's all these cliches about cancer and, and people process it so many different ways. And um, I was worried at the beginning of things that it would just like consume me. I felt like it was either going to impact me like really strongly for the good or for the bad. And, um, I think it has shifted my perspective a lot to just, um, focusing on the things that really matter to me as I guess, cliche as that sounds. Um, I don't, I've always had a lot of anxiety and um, I think I feel less anxious about just like generally living now because I have metastatic cancer. It's like it bundles everything into like cancer and then everything else and everything else kind of just seems less, you know, um, less scary. Um, So when I'm not dealing with cancer, I I kind of feel um, less anxious, I guess. But I think that there's more space for gratitude now. Um, there's more space for joy um, and just more space for for rest and relaxation. And um, yeah, I, I think I was in a weird place before my diagnosis and I feel like I'm more myself now. It's it's kind of a weird feeling because I have this, <laughs> this monster now, but like... Um, 
I honestly feel better in a lot of ways too. It's it's weird. Mm. I love how you articulated that. And I have to say you're not alone in that. I've heard mm-hmm. versions of that before. And it's so interesting how this thing can come into your life and kind of suck all the oxygen out of the room for a moment. And then, you know, a little bit of time passes and it's almost like an exhale happens where like what you just said, there's suddenly space and you can see things in a different way. Um, That's, that's kind of the inspiration behind me naming wildfire wildfire is this idea that this awful thing, um, you know, in this metaphor, a a forest fire can come just raging through and it looks like just total destruction, right? And then, and then there's space and new things happen and new things can grow. Maybe things that we're trying to grow before um, Mm -hmm. suddenly can. Yeah. And going back to what we said before, it doesn't mean that like every shitty thing happens for a reason. Yeah. I really hate that. But (laughs) yeah. We can also acknowledge that that it can open our eyes in a different way and give us a new perspective on living. Yeah. 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 I agree. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Janelle. It's been such a pleasure having you um, join us today, read your story in this discussion. Will you let us know where people can find you or learn more about you online? Um, yeah, my Instagram handle is just Janelle.Talone. Uh, so it's basically just my name with a dot in between it. All right. We'll be sure to link to you in our show notes. So thank you again, Janelle. Thanks for this. Thank you so much, April. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Right back at you. Today's writer and guest was Janelle Talone. Her piece was called The Kittens and it came to us from the 2023 issue of Wildfire called Love and Intimacy. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith, the shoe production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our more than 40 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. All right, here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping or editing. The prompt is what left, what stayed, and what's coming. What left, what stayed, and what's coming. You can take that in individual pieces. You can write cancery or not cancery. There's never a right or wrong answer to a prompt. Just write without stopping and see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a good prompt, you can head over to wildfirecommunity.org slash free to get a bunch of writing prompts that I've put together for you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.